It's time for truth, a ministry of Truth Family Bible Church in Middleton, Idaho. It's time for truth exists to glorify God through the edification of his saints in our local church and for the benefit of the church around the world. I am your host, Pastor Danny Steinmeier. Well, we welcome you once again to another episode of the podcast, uh, whoever you may be and whenever you may be, we are thankful that you have made us part of your day. And today we have a special treat for me as my good friend for many years is here with me in studio today. And I'm looking forward to having you get to know him as well. Now, just a little reminder of our agenda for this podcast. One of the things that we do want to do is to bring you conversations that we believe and hope will be uh, encouraging and edifying for you, the listener. And while we plan to interview people from our church, this conversation today is one of opportunity because uh, my friends happen to be in town and we wanted to get together while they are here, but he also has a bit of a tangential connection to our church because his son Aiden is part of our church family. So uh, today I'm happy to introduce to you Aiden's dad and my longtime friend, uh, Derry Doom. Derry, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Danny. Well, we have a lot of ground to cover today, so we'll get started with just a little bit of introduction. Uh, Derry, would you just tell us first about your family, uh, where it is that you live, and how long you've been married? Sure. Um, I've been married for 20 years to my wife, Kathy, uh, who's sitting right over next to me. And um, we have four kids, Aiden, Cooper, Molly, and Eli. And uh, Aiden is here in Idaho at your church. Therefore, this meeting has occurred. Um, we live in Castaic, California, which is uh, near LA and, uh, we've lived there, um, the, our whole time being married and, uh, go to church, um, in that area as well. Great. And what is it that you do for a living? I do pest control. I kill things. All right. Excellent. Uh, how long have you been uh, working in pest control? I've been doing the pest control for, I would say 24, 25 years. Okay. So even longer than you've been married. That's right. All right. So. Well, we'll get back to that part of your life in uh, just a minute. Uh, the first thing I wanted to talk to you about is uh, just a bit of your personal story as a Christian. Uh, where did you uh, go to college and uh, what did you study when you were there? Um, I went to the master's college, now the university, and um, I studied biblical studies, biblical languages, um, Greek and Hebrew and, and uh, theology, and uh, graduated there back in 1998. Okay. And what was it that uh, got you into biblical languages? Why was that something that you chose to study when you were uh, in college? Um, <laughs> it actually was more of a providential uh, thing. Uh, I went to uh, college uh, at a time in my life when I, I knew I needed to grow closer to God um, and and change my change my life. And And the counselor said, well, if you want to study, I just said, I'm here to study the Bible. Said The counselor said, well, you need to take Greek. I said, okay. And that really was the start of it. It wasn't a planned, mm. um, you know, I didn't come there going, I need to study Greek and Hebrew and theology. I just wanted to learn more about God in the Bible. So the languages wasn't your ambition, but it did become your major? Was that Yes, the, yeah. So as you got into it, did you learn to like it? And was it something that you have developed uh, some... 
competency in? Yes. Um, competence, competency is the right word. Um, I love it. Um, I'm, I'm not the best at it, but I love it. And um, I understood that there was um, it, just things that you're reading an English translation and the Greek and the Hebrew have um, more behind it that not every translation can bring forth. So, um, okay, good. Well, and then, so after you graduated then and you had a degree with, uh, in, in biblical languages, mm -hmm. uh, what did you continue to pursue then in terms of education or ministry? What, what did that lead you into? I went to seminary at the master's seminary for a year and a half and, and then stopped going at that point. Um, I, um, I realized a lot of my interest in Greek and Hebrew was not, um, it was more academic than it was um, to be a shepherd or a pastor. Um, and and I watched uh, a lot of the guys who were in seminary and realized my gifting was was not exactly that as a shepherd, mm -hmm. um, which is a hard um, decision to have to make um, and to walk away from seminary. Uh, there was moments where I felt like I had failed and that this was you know, a bad thing. Um, but, um, that was, it led to me meeting my wife. So that was a great thing. Well, so in the, in that process of, did you feel like you were supposed to go to seminary? What was the, did you originally <clears throat> think that maybe you were called to ministry, but it was actually just in that process of further study and being in that environment that you then began to see a little bit more clearly yourself. How did that kind of come about in your own mind and in life? Yeah. Um, one of the things was at college, everyone kept asking me, well, are you going to seminary? And, and pretty soon I had to give an answer for that. And I think with, with probably not a lot of great thoughts on, on just kind of a, uh, of my own, just kind of, uh, basically trying to answer people's questions. Am I going to seminary or not? Um, kind of seemed like it was the it, expectation. Yeah, it was the expectation for the next step. And so, so that was, um, you know, I didn't go there going, I, I have been called to be a pastor. It was just the next step. Mm. And so that's probably, that was probably the biggest decision. Um, and I had a really good friend that I had lunch with every day. Um, and I watched his, he was a youth pastor at the time and I watched his heart for the kids. And part of this was, I wasn't doing, it wasn't in the active ministry like he was, I was in school. Mm -hmm. And, and I think there should be a tandem, uh, relationship with going to seminary and being in ministry at the same time, mm. um, to where you can play out <laughs> yeah. what you're learning. Yeah. Well, and you and I have talked about this just a little bit, uh, in part because we, uh, we've heard Vody Bauckham speak to this sort of issue of, uh, he, he identifies that the church today often demands mediocrity. And what he mm -hmm. means by that is that when, when people in the church begin to love the Lord, demonstrate a seriousness in their pursuit of him, and even get very serious about studying God's word, about even getting involved in, in heavy reading or study or the languages, that almost automatically, well, you, you must be one of those Christians that goes to seminary and is supposed to be in ministry. Um, and yet, I, I think you're one of many examples, actually, right, where people are simply loving the Lord and wanting yeah. to take his word seriously, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're called to the 
ministry as as a, as a pastor as an elder that there's actually other gifting and other ways to serve the body while you love the lord with all your heart and give your give your life to um studying his word and loving that um the this idea of demanding mediocrity that vodiu speaks of is this is this idea that um people like yourself and others might be intimidating to other people who don't take god's word as seriously and so they almost can't tolerate um people working in pest control, for instance, going to church with them and they know Greek and Hebrew, that that's actually something that actually is accessible and, mm -hmm. and a good thing for, um, for church members to love the Lord and to really care and study his word. Do you have any thoughts on, on that idea or that subject? Because like you said, there's that expectation of you that, well, if you're studying that, you must be you know, going to seminary next, right? Right. right. And I think there's all those things growing up in the church where if you, if you show interest, you're asked to teach, mm -hmm. you know, maybe it's a Sunday school class. Um, and then if you keep doing that, they, well, maybe he's, maybe he's called to the ministry and they, people push you forward. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's not always the right thing because mm -hmm. I mean, what does scripture say about, um, not picking an elder who is a new believer? Mm -hmm. And so we want to be careful about that. Um, I would say that there's, uh, I think one of the things that I learned through that, and maybe this doesn't directly answer your question, was um, going to college and, and seminary and was discernment. And, uh, and, under, and even understanding my own life and being able to discern, you know, I didn't come to these things very quickly, like some people. <laughs> yeah. It took a lot of, a lot of rough edges and and uh, and and time, and and I remember I, I remember being um, teaching at, at a, the church I grew up in, which was probably an easy believism church, and um, and I remember being super excited about learning what my brother was teaching me when he was sitting under John MacArthur's teaching, and. He, uh, he was teaching me things like the fear of God, um, a predestination, election, uh, basically, you know, fundamental, fundamental truths of the Bible. Mm -hmm. And, and I think what separated me at that point was I, the youth pastor at the time asked me one morning, what am I, what are you teaching on today? Which is probably a bad <laughs> moment to ask the guy who's teaching the Sunday school class of the junior highers what they're teaching. But he did, and and I said, well, I'm teaching on election and predestination, and and he said, you can't preach on that. That's divisive, hmm. and I I didn't understand what he meant. Um, I I mean, he threw me into tears just because he said that's he, he had more to say about it. You can't do this. It's wrong. It's divisive. I said, well, it's in the Bible. He said, well, it's divisive, and we had an or we had a discussion slash argument about it, and he said you know, what about John three sixteen? And I said, I don't know. And I went back to him and, and, uh, brought my brother's interlinear, interlinear Bible. And there it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for the ones whom he loves for whoever, instead of whosoever. Mm -hmm. And, and I said, that's weird. That's different. That's not, you know, this kind of free, choosing of God that he was talking about. It's more of an election. And 
And it wasn't till and and we and, and ended up parting ways from him and the church within two weeks because of this incident. Hmm. Um, I realized that this was something that was and it, you know as I was growing, I was learning that this is not this is this church is not biblical. Um, but it wasn't till I took Greek class that I understood hmm. <laughs> the meaning behind that. I was like, oh, this word that we say whosoever it really is, shouldn't be translated that way. And it's a weird word anyway from the King James, whosoever. We don't even speak that way mm-hmm. <laughs> in our daily lives for the last couple hundred years. Right. So that to me was the the biggest change I saw from going through all of, uh, um, is an example of what I was learning and how, it, how learning Greek and Hebrew changed what I believed, um, how I was able to discern um, and that's, I mean, God's grace and God's, um, goodness to me in that time. Um, so. And how is, how is your background, your study, your interest in God's word? How has that helped you as a church member? Mm-hmm. And it, cause maybe you're not the paid pastor that's mm-hmm. preaching every week. Um, but you, uh, it's not like you haven't loved the church and right. been involved. How would you say mm-hmm. that? your intense study of God's word has uh, benefited you and others in your sphere. Yeah. I've been, um, a bit a part of teaching, uh, children's ministry for, for many years. Um, and part of, we've had college Bible studies at our house. Um, we hosted and those were just a, you know, probably a joy in our life and my, my wife's to have those people in our home and, um, to do that ministry together. Um, and just being able to, you know, to jump in and teach, you know, once in a while and to, you know, I think honestly, just to be discerning, to watch, you know, I mean, some of these guys are master seminary guys teaching to the college kids and, you know, but I can follow along at their level and understand what they're saying. And every once in a while, question them, you know, what did they mean? And, uh, so it's, um, and, and, uh, taught Bible study at, at, uh, adult Bible study, uh, for several years, uh, at, uh, Grace Community, um, with Chris Roscoe and his group. And, um, so yeah, and then, uh, teaching and I just taught Sunday school a few times this last couple months. So, um, just being able to jump in and do that. Um, it still makes me nervous every time I do it. Um, but it's, it's a good thing. Keeps it. And, you know, a friend of mine has talked to me about the intense study of God's word is what really drives him to know God more. And, and I think it's true. So would you encourage, or maybe how would you encourage uh, people who are listening who, uh, for instance, just want to know God more and, and want to love him more and who also are like, man, I really don't want to, I don't think I'm called to ministry or whatever. How would you encourage them to uh, to not hang back, but to, but to press forward in uh, a pursuit. Maybe they don't have easy access to uh, a school or maybe they're past college age to where maybe they're not, they don't have easy access to uh, Greek and Hebrew, for instance, or maybe it's not even Greek and Hebrew. Maybe you would have different advice for how to pursue a deeper knowledge of God. Do you have any advice that you would uh, give to somebody? Yeah, I, I think that there's, um, you know, a level for everybody's, um, ability, but I think leaning in and pressing in to, to, to try and know, I mean, to struggle to know God more, um, to, is an important thing. 
Um, I mean, Paul in Philippians says, I press on toward the upward goal in Christ Jesus. I mean, that's, 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 that's a struggle for him. That's something he has to push himself in. Um, and, you know, here's the Apostle Paul pushing himself. I think that's an example for us, you know, to push ourselves to know God more in whatever capacity that could be. Now, um, I think some people who, you know, like, yeah, I'm not, I'm, I don't think I have a gift with languages. Yeah. You know, you, there are great commentaries that are out there that give you so much information and in and someone has done that study for you to where you can be able to understand that and acquire mm -hmm. that information without having to you know having to spend years learning language just so you can <laughs> start at that point um but uh and even just you know sometimes people have a a, a thirst for knowledge and and once it starts um it's hard to hard to stop it so Good. No, thank you for that. Well, I, I wanted to move also into another area of your life. And uh, you mentioned already that you're in the vocation of working in pest control. And I think a lot of people assume that when they hear pest control, that it is a job that is focused on ants and mice. I think that's sort of that probably default assumption. Um, but I know better than that. Uh, <laughs> you really have been involved in way more than those types mm -hmm. of things. Would you just tell us about mm. uh, some of the things that you've been involved with in your, uh, in your job, in your vocation with maybe some of the things that you have to be really knowledgeable of, because that's, there's a lot of, of learning and knowing how things work and what to do and so forth. Would you just kind of give a little bit of color on what you do? Wow. I could probably talk about this for a while and for everybody, but, um, so uh, I started doing pest control um, and I, I literally would kill gophers all day long and ground squirrels um, and it would be out in golf courses and parks and um, doing treatments out there and fumigating them and and um, and I didn't I didn't pick up a, a backpack to spray an insecticide for about five years in my career um, and that um, uh, I've worked for two companies and, uh, my boss, uh, my current boss worked for the previous company and ended up starting his own company and bringing me along. And, and as we grew and he grew, um, we would kind of add new, we would kind of add a new tool to our toolbox and we would add, you know, we've never done, um, spraying for trees before. Well, let's do it. Let's try it. And, and we've never done, you know, uh, bat control. We've so let's figure out how to do that. And bat control, bat control, pigeon oh, control, um, and all kinds of bird spikes and things like that. And to prevent prevention and, you know, managing issues. And, um, and to now I'm, I'm writing, you know, golf course sprayers, spraying turf fields and other things like that. And it's just, it's just blossomed into, um, a whole new range of things besides spraying for ants and spiders and killing mice. Um, so I have my arborist license. We, we take care of trees and do all kinds of fun things with them. And uh, so, so that uh, that's one of the things I wanted to ask you about. Um, Cause that's a relatively recent thing. It's probably within mm -hmm. about the last five years, approximately, if I recall, right, maybe a little bit longer uh, that you got an arborist uh, license or certification. Right. And so uh, what is an arborist and, mm -hmm. 
kind of what's a little bit involved in that because right. there's there's some study involved. Yeah, um, and there's it's it's kind of a basic biology of trees along with uh, the the best practices in the industry um, that you would be following to to bring your expertise to trees in different ways. Um, and there are different aspects of the industry. Um, there are people who climb trees and cut them and that's a, a climbing, you know, arborist. And there are those who are just like me, who's a certified arborist who can evaluate trees and recommend things. And there's a consulting arborist and a master arborist and mm. all kinds of things that, uh, that happen over time when you work in the industry. Um, and I would say I'd still have a lot to learn <laughs> about trees. Um, uh, there's, you know, every so many varieties and so yeah. many different yeah. bugs and diseases and yeah. issues, right? Yeah. Um, I was with my boss the other day and we came to a property and we, neither of us knew what kind of tree it was, <laughs> you know, in our, in, you know, close to, uh, one of his, his home and in someone's backyard, we have no idea what it was. So it happens. Yeah. And are there a lot of arborists out there? Is it a, a a type of of knowledge base that is in demand? Is do you see that as being part of something that helps in people be able to? I'm speaking in terms of you know maybe some young people who are listening who are trying to figure out what they want to do in life and maybe the areas of study that is that a uh, do you see that to be a valuable career or skill set and knowledge that is um, a valuable service to provide and that could actually even be a, a living yeah there's 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 a living to make at it and you know i think 50 years ago um, a lot of this knowledge was uh, kept by in certain areas and compartmentalized by people who ran orchards and you know uh, people who ran an almond orchard you know knew a whole bunch of different things than people who knew a citrus orchard and so there was um, you know, and a lot of information has come together now. So, um, in, in various ways. And, uh, now people know we've cataloged diseases for trees and all kinds of things. And we have new technologies to help, um, help give trees, literally give them a shot, uh, of insecticide or, or, uh, fertilizer or something like that straight into the bark. And, and, uh, there's interesting and innovative things that they're, doing now well lots of even cities and counties and so forth one of the yeah. elements that they have to do is try to manage those trees and mm -hmm. try to maintain an environment that is yeah. um beautiful and up kept up mm -hmm. in, in terms of a lifestyle in the uh in their particular community yeah. so there's lots of those different types of elements right yeah boise's called what the city of trees city of trees there it is right so yeah there's a lot of that uh, those types of needs uh, even in our local area uh, well, very good. Well, uh, just tell me about um, a little bit more about your relationship with your with your boss. Mm -hmm. um, one of the elements for for you still being in in Castaic for twenty years is uh, the fact that you've had uh, a boss who's a Christian, mm -hmm. and uh, you started you guys started out together in this business. You he started it, and you came along with him and. Uh, just maybe describe a little bit about what it's meant to you to work for your boss and, and acknowledging that he's a, a, a Christian man. Mm -hmm. What is that? Uh, how has that played out for you in your career? Um, well, simply it's been um, a great relationship. Um, uh, there has been very little, you know, 
animosity or disagreement or uh, and there's discussions we can have you know at work uh, that just we enjoy the fellowship together that's been um, you know uh, somewhat priceless and so that's that's been good and um, you know he's been able to bring me along um, in certain ways where he sees deficiencies you know um, in my in my role as a supervisor manager um, and and same with him same with me I can say hey I think things may be able to be run a little bit differently and he's take my he takes my advice with uh, with seriousness so that's been a great relationship um, and he's you know he's really wanted me to improve myself he's not he's just not a status quo I have a worker that's great mm-hmm. um, he's the one who brought me along and you know, in pest control, there's tons of different certifications and he just keeps, you know, what about getting this certification, adding this and adding this and adding this. And that's been, um, and giving value to the company. And, you know, he's been thinking about bringing me up. And so, and to becoming a certified arborist, which is probably the biggest, biggest one. Hmm. And, uh, when it comes to his leadership mm-hmm. and when it comes to him being you know, the owner and the leader of the, of the company. Uh, he certainly has hired a lot of other guys and Christians, other, mm-hmm. uh, guys in seminary that he looks out for hiring other Christian guys to give people an opportunity to support their families and so forth. But also I just remember the, uh, having known you for a long time, the a sense of his generosity, uh, the way that he treats his employees, uh, you know, that's something that has, stuck with you and has, has been something, would you maybe just describe or give some examples of as a, as a Christian boss seeking to treat his employees well, how has that, you know, shown itself to you? Um, I think, uh, I mean, very easily, um, when we were, we were in the days of having babies, um, there was a very generous, you know, um, you know, time off and, and understanding of that. I mean, he has eight kids, Mm -hmm. so (laughs) I think he knows something about that. And, um, I remember when, uh, my wife, Kathy had shingles and, and it was, a and she was nursing a baby, uh, our daughter at that point and was very, just, you know, take as much time off as you need. Um, and I think my sister-in-law, uh, and my brother were helped, uh, you know, take care of things uh, as well. So it was just, but he was involved in that and, and considerate of that and, and thoughtful, um, for many you know, Christmas bonuses, um, uh, over the years, um, that have just been very generous and very thoughtful. Um, so it's just been, uh, it, in that sense, it's been a joy. I'm probably missing, uh, <laughs> many things that I can't think of right now, but, uh, well, it just those stick out of my mind. Yeah. Just really someone who is not just simply selfish and about his own profit, but he also cares about the people that work for him. Yeah. And to me, I think that's been something that's spoken to me, even though I don't know him, I've never yeah. met him, but over the years, knowing you and just seeing, yeah, that generosity, that, um, that care for his employees that he again, wants to invest in and help bring along to cause you to grow as well as then that sense of understanding and compassion, a sense of, of generosity that, uh, Look, California is a pretty expensive place. Uh, last I checked, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 so to be able to you know treat your employees well, to to pay them well, and to be generous, 
I think is uh, a really valuable thing. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I want to have that conversation is, and, and to just bring that forward, is the value of, of having a business and being an employer who, uh, who isn't just thinking of himself, but as a Christian person who, uh, you, you think of Paul talking about the relationship of masters and slaves. Mm -hmm. And even if you're not being treated well, um, you know, uh, Christians have a responsibility to be good employees. We'll talk about that in a minute, but, but to be a, a, a master, a boss who then has a, uh, an understanding of, you know, think of Philemon and Onesimus, mm -hmm. right? And this idea of, hey, wait a minute, you guys are brothers. So that should have a, a even though there might be a slave-master relationship, now that you're brothers in Christ, that, that should make a, a real difference for how things um, uh, relate to one another. And, uh, and so to see a, a boss and to encourage those who are listening to, who have businesses, uh, who have employees, to consider what it means to be a Christian boss and for in your situation, it really has brought about a real loyalty and a real love for him and for um, what that's provided for you. And you guys have stuck together for these 20 years. And, and so that's something that I think is informative and helpful to our Christians in thinking about bi businesses that they want to start, businesses yeah. that they want that they're already um, involved in. Uh, how you treat your employees, how you think of them, how you care about them, and especially if you're hiring Christians, uh, what type of testimony and, and witness that has um, in that. Anyway, any other comments on that? I, I think that was really valuable and important. Yeah, uh, no, I think, um, I mean, I can I can remember more examples, but um, I, well, remember, I remember a couple for you. Oh, do you? Okay. I remember back when <laughs> iPads first were coming out and they were really expensive. I mean, there's, I don't yeah. know what they were at the time, $900 or yeah. something like that. And Derry Dooms got himself a brand new iPad <laughs> from his boss as that's a Christmas right. gift. I remember you also got because I, I thought it was pretty cool. I thought, wow, that's pretty that's pretty neat, very generous. I remember uh, some high powered um, uh, air rifles. Yes. Now yes. uh, we won't mention the particular box store. I think one of the coolest gigs for you has been the uh, um, you know how you see those sparrows, mostly sparrows. Maybe yeah. there's other birds, but mostly the sparrows that fly into these big box stores and you could be shopping around and oh, there's a sparrow uh, flying around there. How, how do those stores get those sparrows to get out of there? Well, <laughs> <laughs> you can try and trap them or you can try and shoot them. And, uh, uh, we did a lot of shooting at those, uh, big box stores. So you and take a, so in the cover of darkness, you would show yeah. up at a, uh, big box store. Yeah. And with your with your little air pellet rifle, <laughs> and you'd be uh, hunting yeah. uh, to get these birds out of their yeah. store. Right? Yeah, yeah. Little little pellet rifles, probably not the way to describe those, but yeah, um, probably. Huh? They're 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 moving about a thousand feet per second, so they're they're pretty pretty nice. Yeah, no, it's fun. <laughs> well, again, I think there's. Uh, I want to highlight also that that value. We'll talk about this yep. in also just a second here, but this is the value of. Being in trades like this, be, being in industries like this, that it, it's, I, I think some people don't, don't see the glamour of when you say pest control, that, um, that there's actually opportunities for enjoyment and even fun or things that are, are new. There's learning to be, to be had and you're really, you're not stuck behind a desk, right? No. So if for some people, that's an important, valuable thing. Yeah. You know, normally you've got the type of schedule where you're not 
fighting your employer over Sundays. No. Right. You're not uh, normally working super late hours after dark. And except for those times when you got to go you know, yeah. kill a few sparrows. Yeah. But And those really have been the exception. You, but so. Um, yeah, those are no. exceptions, right? And those were those were enjoyable. I mean, yeah. many people like hunting, hunting and things like that. It's it's pretty fun. In Southern California, you're uh, out there hunting, and you're hunting in the middle of a big box store. Nobody I mean, knows. <laughs> nobody knows. Nobody right? knows. So <laughs> anyway, I, 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 one of the things that we talk about uh, in our in our church and among our families is uh, you know trying to help young people, young men especially, mm-hmm. think through, you know, what am I? What do I want to do? And some of those things you have to try or some of those things you have to hear about in this type of podcast hearing about what other people do and how how the next thing i want to get into is is just to ask you a little bit about what it means for you to be a christian and to uh and to think about how do you think about what it means to glorify god in the pest control industry um is it is that a proper place for a christian to be it 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 doesn't sound very glamorous doesn't sound very glorious. The, we've been talking about the the dualism of Gnostic thinking of mm. the, the the division of the secular and the sacred. I mean, you gave up seminary and the 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 real godly practice of ministry, mm-hmm. and you went and found a wife and found a career, um, and have stayed in that career, and it's been one that's supported you very well. Would you maybe just talk a little bit about you know your thoughts as a Christian? As a Christian employee, what that's what what difference has Christ made in your life as a as one who works in the pest control industry as an employee? Hmm. Well, it's practicing you know Genesis where we're taking dominion over mm-hmm. the the animals. Yeah, we've been talking about uh, that in church. Yeah. So, uh, joking aside, but it is a real thing, um, and just like a farmer. Mm-hmm. Um, takes dominion over his plants or his, his animals, his livestock, um, where, you know, we don't generally want ants and spiders crawling through our houses. And so there is, um, as a Christian, there's a practical, you know, answer to those things. Um, and to like the farmer who tills the field and provides food for everybody. Um, there's, there's a pest control guy who provides, you know, comfort, you know, and the pest control industry, you know, we think of it as, um, the, the spiders and the mice and, but there's so much, there is so much more to it. There's so much agricultural pest control that goes on. Um, and you can get in debates, people about pesticides and our food, and that's not where this is, but, um, because of pesticides, we have enough food to feed everybody in this world. I mean, that's something that, God has given those scientists who have created these pesticides um, a gift to us. There's there's good things that have come from pesticides. Um, it's a it's a strange thing to say mm-hmm. because most people are worried about all the cancers and everything else you get. Um, but there's a direct correlation to to how much food we have and the prot all the different chemicals you put on it to keep it and preserve it. Mm-hmm. So the world left to itself uh, gets out of control and gets yeah. wild and gets uninhabitable actually. Right. Yeah. So, um, so as you know, I have been, I've been enjoyed this industry. I mean, there are days where I'm, I'm working at a, a, a location that's just, just beautiful. I get to enjoy God's creation. Mm-hmm. Um, those are, those are just, um, 
wonderful moments and to give God the glory and to see his his goodness, to see his provision for many, many years, you know, for our family, for my boss who started this business. And, and I think within a week of starting his business, got sued by his old employer, oh, wow. <laughs> you know, so God has brought him through, you know, I, I really see God's hand on the, uh, even on this company um, and preserving it through some trials. And, and uh, there was a point where um, we switched uh uh, um, billing application that we were doing and bills didn't go out for three months. Oh, we didn't realize it and we ran out of money. And so my boss, you know, put his house, mortgaged his house, a second mortgage and made sure everybody was paid. Mm. Um, I, I watched, you know, I watched him care for us in that way. Um, so there's, you know, like any business, anything you do, um, you just, you, you work with your hands, you work with your mind, you glorify God hmm. and it's not rocket science. Right. <laughs> well, and to me, one of the things that, uh, I hear when you speak like that too, is the recognition that the service you're providing a service to people, which is actually uh, a loving thing to be able to do, mm-hmm. right? Being when you're involved in the economy, when you're involved in uh, a service industry that, while of course you're compensated, mm-hmm. um, but it, that's that compensation is not antithetical to to love. And there's an excellence in a in a thoroughness, and you want to be uh, you want to solve people's problems, right? Some of that is, yeah. you know, some people are feeling a little desperate, or feel they're they're really being uh, overrun by their pests that they <laughs> that they're that they're living with. Yeah. And, and so the reality of what you're able to do for people is a, is a service of love to, uh, to help them. Yeah. Um, but it's also something where you are helping people and supporting your family at the same time. It's just, uh, there's actually a wonderful element to that. Yeah. No, I was working with a, a guy the other day and we were looking at a house that had bed bugs and it was an 80 year old woman who lived there and her daughter who was 65, you know, um, was, you know, trying to couldn't move things or do things. And, and so, you know, it's within our power to just spend a little extra time and help them out and be able to make the best pest uh, application, you know, worthwhile because they're supposed to take all the, move all the stuff for us mm. ahead of the application. So they just couldn't do that. Yeah. And so that's where I said, look, you know what? We can be kind to these people who can't help themselves. And, and that's a, that's a, a very important thing to do in the Christian life. Yeah. So even in your, even in your work and the way in which you do your work, there's a consideration of love, of mm-hmm. self-sacrifice, of working hard, of being thorough, doing a good job. All those types of elements absolutely bring are, are part of your 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 faith in the Lord and your desire to honor and glorify Him in the job that you're doing and being a faithful employee, but also just one who is serving people uh, in the community and in the uh, in the areas in which your company has a, a reach. Right? Yeah, I, I think that's really really great. And so I, I just want to encourage. You know those listening, especially the young people in our church, to be thoughtful about what you might might be, might be able to do with your life that actually brings benefit and service and love to other people. That also is a way for you to support yourself and your family. And and I think the the pest control world and industry, we, we could use some new companies. We could use some Christian employers and Christian employees and people who know how to work, who know how to work hard, uh, who are dedicated, who are loyal, who uh, who work to the glory of God and who can see the the value that God has given us 
in uh, look, not everybody is going to be a missionary or a pastor, and thankfully so, and and, and thank God for that, right? We we, we want to be acknowledge that that the Lord has purposes that we um, that we can glorify Him in of so many different ways as we seek to take dominion over the world uh, for His glory and for mm-hmm. His sake, uh, and to. Uh, uh, and also care for our family. So yeah. uh, look, the pest control industry might be a, a fun place to work, right? <laughs> well, you, you said that, right? Fun. Oh yeah. And, and even ways yeah. that you enjoy. Yeah. Um, especially you, if you don't you want to be behind meet, a desk. I mean, you get to meet all your customers every day and talk with them. Um, so it's, you know, get to help their, you know, help their property out, help their, you know, their problem of whatever's roaming around their house and in their house and up in their attics and things like that. And, you know, that's, people can't sleep when they got a rat running around in the attic. And so do you, uh, I remember you do, uh, uh, bees too, right? Where oh, yeah. the, the, yeah. the hives or the mm-hmm. swarms that, mm-hmm. that, that come and yeah. people need to get those taken care of. I remember that from back in the day. Yep. <laughs> so, I mean, there's, there's basically we don't, we do just about everything and I've done just about everything. Yeah. That's really so neat. it's, it's fun. Well, good. Well, there's a third part of this conversation mm-hmm. I wanted to have with you. Um, and so I really appreciate uh, you walking us through some of these things in your life. Um, but this this one is relatively new to you guys. I, I don't know exactly how long you've been been doing this, but you've added something to your home um, and to your family life where um, your kids are on the older side. What's the range of, of ages of your, your kids at this point? Uh, 19, 18, 17. And 16. It makes it really easy. It is. Right? It's, it's a good time right now. Right. <laughs> it's um, really easy. Right. You, they're very close together, of course. And, uh, but you've, they're, they're in their late teens, obviously. And so, uh, what is it that, that has come into your life more recently that you and your wife have decided to do? And, and then we'll get into a little bit more of yeah. the why and all the, all yeah. that other stuff. Oh, uh, we've been doing foster care for about three years. Wow, that's a big that's a big change. Yes, it is. And because uh, the foster care is not really of the of kids that are the same age as your kids. No. So you're dealing with younger younger kids. Yep. And w- w- start off just telling us a little bit about what uh, what was it that you decided, or why did you decide to do that? What are some of the factors that brought you to begin fostering three years ago? My wife. I'll be honest. That was um, she had asked, and I had I was dragging my feet on this issue. Yeah. Um, and, uh, my brother had done it for years and his wife and, uh, um, and I was, I didn't think it was, you know, that important. I, I thought, well, someone else should do this, not me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it just, it just, the, really the scriptures convinced me, I think, um, and my wife. And she just said, we, we should think about this. We're helping people. We're helping those people who can't help themselves. And um, tell me about the scriptural motivation. What, what, well, what kind of helped you there? Yeah. I mean, James talks about what pure religion is and visiting uh, widows and orphans in their distress. And um, there is a pointed, you know, moment in the, in, in the text at that point. When he says, this is pure religion. Oh, you know, or we should have a, there should be an exclamation point, you know, if, if they had exclamation points back in the text at that time, but there isn't, but he's using the words to say something very, very important. We're supposed to do this. Widows and orphans who, who can't take care of themselves. 
widows who can't don't have provisions of of the daily needs that they need. I mean, obviously, it's easy to see, you know, young children not being able to take care of themselves, but widows too. Um, and this is a huge, huge opportunity um, for us as, as believers, as Christians. Um, the world is bringing them to our doorstep. If you want to, if you're willing, mm-hmm. they're they're right there. So um, I was talking with my brother yesterday in Idaho. And there's there's 28, 30 kids just sitting in a group home waiting for a foster family to take them. So, I mean, Idaho is much smaller than California population wise. Mm-hmm. Um, California, there's, I mean, the amount of, I don't even know the numbers, but the amount of foster kids is, is huge. Um, and what an opportunity for a believer to show the love of Christ, um, to give the gospel to children, um, to love kids who have been hurt, abused, um, so much trauma, um, just, um, I just, we had an opportunity to have two little, a boy and a girl twins would take them from the hospital, um, when they were born and we got to have them for 10 months and, and to see, you know, a relative, um, from a different state, you know, adopt them and they're still going through that stage, but who wanted them? And we were able to, you know, to love on those kids to give them the, the nurture that a little baby needs to be held and loved and kissed and tickled and all those things was a joy. And to watch my kids come alongside in that, um, it was, was a joy. Not every foster placement is easy. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, a uh, it's something you have to lean into and, um, it takes a lot of effort and a lot of conversations and failures and, <laughs> moments that don't think you don't think like you're going to be able to to make it so no that's that's really good and my wife can speak more to that than i can (laughs) well i don't know that she wants to be in front of the microphone today she's here listening in studio but we uh uh yeah i just wanted to hear a little bit more too that i appreciate your perspective on that maybe some what are some of the things that you've learned so it sounds very romantic right it sounds very um man what a great thing to do uh you know maybe uh, you know, maybe you could just yeah, speak to hardest, a little bit more of some of yeah, the hard parts yeah. about that. Hardest week of my life was doing foster care. Mm. Uh, we all as a family had COVID, uh, and the two babies that I mentioned previously had COVID, um, and we had no help. <laughs> and that was partly because COVID, you, you weren't allowed to go to people's I'm homes. That have, people. Yeah. You're not supposed to go to people's homes that have COVID <laughs> and get it yourself. And, right. and so, um, it wasn't, and, and people, there were some people that dropped things off for us. That was, um, but you know, raising twins, babies is tough. I mean, think about being up all night for one, you have to be up all night for two. And, uh, that was just the, and I lost my taste. I couldn't drink coffee. I was going through caffeine withdrawals and I'm up all night with, with two babies and we're just, you know, I had a fever for a week. It was just, it was a rough week. Yeah. You know, so that was more of a, um, that was the perfect storm that came That was a perfect storm. And, and, uh, you know, that was most, I mean, the difficulties with babies, um, I would say probably would be having to stay up late and feed them all night. That's hard on your body. You know, we're not spring chickens anymore, so (laughs) it's hard to do those things. Um, but, uh, and then having some older kids that, you know, have other issues, um, you know, they don't want to do what our family does and they don't want to, you know, um, 
it's hard. A couple of the of our kids have come with cell phones and the struggles with being, you know, addicted to a, a screen time all the time. Um, it's, you know, presents a challenge. Um, so, and it's, you know, sometimes they don't want to be a part of our house. Mm. So it, it's, it's, it's very difficult to, to want to love them more. Um, and I'm, I'm speaking very, very yeah. real. It's, it's, it's not always easy to want to lean in. We want to lean away and go, oh, okay. They don't want to be a part of our family. That's fine. Mm. But you know, if we're called to love, I mean, we have, we have a wonderful, wonderful savior. Who's an example to us of loving, um, loving, loving the people of this world. And uh, so us who are unlovely. Yes. Right? And we ourselves yeah. who are, um, sinners and unlovely in many, many ways in the totality of our life. <laughs> right. Well, that's, that, that's good. And, and so when it comes to, you know, some advice or some counsel, I, I, I would guess that you would encourage others to consider it. Um, it's perhaps not for everybody, but maybe there's some things that you would, uh, maybe some advice or some other elements that you would um, help people to overcome. Perhaps you, you said you were resistant for a while and, um, maybe there are some things yeah. that, that other folks could overcome in their thinking of maybe some fears that you had that you, you've dealt with or you've had to work through. Um, any advice that you would have for people that might be more encouraged to uh, take on something like this? Hmm. Um, I would I would just encourage people to take a step in the pool. You know, start start something small. Um they, uh, there's a way to get involved in foster care. Um, it's called respite care. And you basically, for those people who do foster care who need a break, maybe they're going on a vacation and they can't take the kids out of state with them. Um, so tell me, is that what's happening today? Right? Yeah, that's what's happening right now. You guys now. are in Idaho? Yeah. And yeah. So you're foster, you have there's, some foster kids right now? We do. And and there's, there's so many different situations with foster care. Every case is different. Um, sometimes um, you can take kids out of state. Sometimes you can't. So, you know, our life goes on. We still go on vacations. We still see friends and we still go places and enjoy those things. And sometimes the kids can come with us and sometimes they can't. And, and there's an opportunity um, to do that. Um, my father-in-law passed away recently. We had respite care for that. And then that was, that was, we're super thankful for that, that someone would step up and take those kids for a week. Um, where we could relatively short-term daycare is yeah. kind of what that ends up. Yes, being, it sure right? does. Right. Um, it sure is. Um, but that's, that's a way to step into it hmm. and go, Oh, okay. This is, you know, it's, it's a scary thing inviting a stranger into your home and they're there to live there hmm. <laughs> and they're going to sleep in a bed in the other room next to you. Um, and it's, it's, it's weird. Yeah. It, it is definitely a weird thing. And you're, there's you a know, disrupting element. It, absolutely. Right? It's not our normal course. You know, we have our normal patterns and our normal life and, and they throw a wrench in everything. Yeah. And there's a lot of appointments to go to and <laughs> on and on and on and on it goes, um, just like our own kids and our own family. Um, and, but I think if we think about, you know, even the words in James, even in the old Testament about the importance of taking care of, you know, widows uh, and orphans. Um, that the most, was the most vulnerable. Yeah, the most vulnerable. Yeah. You know, 
Um, and I think about uh, my mom and my mother-in-law who are widows. Um, and there's an opportunity to, to, to really show the love of Christ as an example to the world that we are taking care of our, our own. We are taking care of our widows. And we are, we are loving on them. We are making sure that they have, they have enough money. They have enough food. They have housing. You know, those basic things of life that we're, we have an opportunity to step in and, and take care of that. Um, so that's good. So you certainly are loving and providing a, a care and a service to these, to these young children. Uh, would you describe this as having been a sanctifying process for you and your family? Uh, has, has there been some elements that have put, you know, some of your thinking and your attitudes and actions and words to the test? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, there's been many testing moments. Um, we've had hard cases, um, you know, one with, with autistic kid. Um, and that was really hard. Um, and we needed help. And there was, there wasn't any help. Um, <laughs> could you see the value of other people in the body of Christ and in the, in the local church being yeah. able to, maybe they're not fostering themselves, but maybe yeah. they could really be, uh, the lifeline to people who are fostering. Mm-hmm. Would you yeah. see that as being a valuable? Yeah. Ministry? I mean, we know how busy our lives get just as, as parents and families of a whole bunch of little kids running around and doing different things. And all of a sudden everybody's going in different directions. And, to have a foster kid that has special needs or maybe it's just ADD or, you know, some of those, those are real issues. And, um, to have someone come alongside and say, Hey, I'm going to spend time with this kid for this day and give you guys a break. Uh, wow. What a, what a thing that would be. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're going to go take these kids, um, take them to the park, kick the soccer ball around, throw the football around. Um, you know, do something like that. Or, hey, we're going to come over. I, you know, there's you know, your imagination is your limit on what you could do there. Sure, yeah. But there's so many different things that could happen. Just be creative. I think yeah. sometimes we yeah. don't give creativity enough of uh, of a say in mm-hmm. various ways to tackle these things. Yeah, and I, I admit sometimes I, I sometimes <laughs> many times I fail at being creative. Mm-hmm. Um, it's we get stuck in a rut and we go, oh, how do we deal with this? I don't know. And we just kind of. Yeah shake our head and shrug our shoulders. And for you guys, uh, maybe, um, I think maybe, maybe there's, there's some assumptions that are made in terms of how things are to, are meant to work out in terms of adoption and actually mm-hmm. keeping, um, uh, keeping kids yet maybe for, and I don't know if this is the case for you guys, or maybe it's other foster where you're really just, you're filling a particular role, but it's, you're not necessarily looking to adopt and have these children become full-time right. long-term permanent family right. uh, family members um but it's still a you, you would i would assume describe it as a as a valuable role to be playing regardless of whether or not your, your view on that do you have any right. thoughts on that issue of fostering and adopting or anything like yeah, that? yeah i mean the modern foster care system is they're not orphans as we think mm-hmm. of of like a true orphan someone who doesn't have any parents or any relatives to take care of them uh, most of the foster care in in our modern society is kids that are neglected, um, kids that are abused. And so they've been taken away from their parents. So they, every foster parent, every, every foster child comes with trauma, just 
being taken away from their parents and thrown into the foster system is trauma. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with my parents. All those questions, you know, um, come up. And so the foster care system is not just, and so a lot of these kids, a lot of the, the goal for the state is to bring these kids back to reunification with their parents um, or an aunt or a grandma who can take care of them. So there is, there almost all of the foster care system are being, especially with older kids are, are temporary. Um, they're, they're waiting for the parents to shape up mm-hmm. <laughs> and to, to do better and to, before they get their kids back as an opportunity to deal with these kids in this situation, uh, and show kids the gospel. I think there's, uh, a, pr- a profound moment to do this for these kids. Uh, and it's, it's when they're taken away from their parents. Hmm. So interesting. S- sometimes those, and, <laughs> and we've, we've wondered why they try and give them back to some of these parents <laughs> and, uh, some of those things are out of our control and that's one of the things you have you to can't do. solve all those things. Right? Yeah. We, you know, we, you know, the foster system fails daily. Um, <laughs> you know, they make poor decisions. They make wrong, what we think are wrong decisions. Um, and that happens a lot. We, so being in the uh, foster parent in the foster system means dealing with a failing system, but they are bringing them to our front door. They're bringing them to us if we, if we allow it. So, so in some ways you're part of the solution, even when things aren't, aren't going well and in a broken system and bad decisions being made, you have for you guys, the opportunity to, uh, to honor Christ and to love these kids, regardless of the mistakes and the, and the broken elements of the system, uh, you can do your part to do what's right in, in, in their lives, right. For their sake. Yeah. Oh, that's very good. Well, I, I, I think also just want to speak to our listeners uh, and encourage those who are listening to uh, consider these types of things and how you might be stretched in your walk with the Lord to do hard things for the sake of loving others who uh, who really are, need it. And so foster care, we've, all, we've talked a little bit in our church also about the idea of adoption as part of the ministry of opposing abortion as well, but also sure. this element of foster care. Um, and, or even respite care where mm-hmm. maybe there's another element of just being those who support the local church, uh, the people in your church who are fostering, that there's, um, that there's opportunities to serve one another, uh, on top of serving these, these kids being, uh, exposing them to a stable household, giving them the truth and giving them, uh, the knowledge of, of Christ to, to, to give them the gospel, to expose them to the church, those types of things. Those are valuable things for all of us to just take into consideration and to uh, challenge our own selves and our own comforts, um, our own selfishness that uh, that is just easy to pursue above a care for others that uh, that the Lord might have put in our in our path to do, and to consider pure religion for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something to be considering. One other thing that I was thinking is, remember when you're in a foster care relationship, there's two people that you're really um, being able to witness to, and that is the kids and the parents. Those parents are the bio parents of these kids. Um, you have an opportunity to show them the gospel. You're taking care of their kids. You're trying to treat them as your own. Um, and sometimes that, that has, we've seen, you know, 
bioparents really, really thankful for what we're doing. Um, and because knowing there's a lot of people that do foster care that aren't really good at it. Um, they, there's a lot, I mean, there's stuff in the news that comes out about even foster care, foster care, parents abusing kids and things like that. Um, and so, um, there's, there's opportunities. You never know who you're witnessing to when you're, when you're showing love. Well, yeah, you can really be a, a, a witness, a testimony to these parents uh, that also point out to them a little bit of their own, their own irresponsibility, their own, their own guilt, where you know, these people have really cared for my children in my stead. And it, it can also be something that, that prods them to hopefully take yeah. more responsibility in, for their own yeah. actions and their own yeah. family. And I would think, you know, people that live in this area in Idaho that may have a, a small property or a farm or maybe they raise goats or chickens. Some of these kids have never, ever seen things like this. Um, some kids don't even know how to tie their shoes. So there's there are so many practical things you can do to teach a child who's in foster care. Mm. Um, you're like, hey, we have chickens. Like, wow, I've never seen this before. How do you, this is where eggs I come from? Eggs come from yeah. the store. <laughs> you know. And, and some of them don't go outside. I mean, yeah, it's, so there's even just, just living your life and, and having and them, bringing them along, right? bringing them along will be a, a, an amazing, uh, learning experience for this child. Hmm. Well, that's great. Well, Derry, I really appreciate, uh, giving us this time. Uh, I've enjoyed this conversation and I, I hope that our listeners have as well. I think this is, is valuable. This is the type of conversation that we want to bring to uh, the, the body of Christ at Truth Family Bible Church uh, to hear about uh, the, the living out of the Christian life in the lives of, of people in the church uh, who love Christ, who are serving him in a variety of ways, to speak about employment and, and life in the workplace, to, to speak about home life and foster care and all these types of things. There's so many experiences that uh, I think we can benefit from one another. We can really be edifying to each other. And this is ex it exposes those things uh, to our church. And so I hope that you all think about these things seriously and take advantage of that. Well, that's all the time we have for Truth Today. We want to thank you for joining us. And until next time, uh, we hope that you will grow in your love and commitment to Christ as we are sanctified in the truth. God's word is truth. Thank you.